You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and a very happy new year to you and thanks for joining me, Sharon Noonan, for tonight's Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. If you have had a fantastic Christmas full of food and you'd like to share some recipes, please do get in touch with me. You can email me, s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at queenoforg, short for Queen of Organisation. Coming up on the show tonight, Rachel Keeley is here with an up-to-date restaurant review. Gareth Mullins from the Marker Hotel will be joining me on the phone to talk about Le Drunch, amongst many other things. I'll be going back in time with an interview I did during the Dingle Food Festival, so if you're in the market for exporting your product... This interview will be of interest to you. And Rebecca Cronin will be giving us the heads up on what's happening at this year's Ballymaloo Lit Fest, which is on in May, and the tickets go on sale tomorrow. But before all that, let's go over first to Rachel Keeley and have a chat with her about her latest dining spot. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Rachel Keeley is in the studio this evening to do her January review and we are staying in the area and staying in Limerick City tonight. We are indeed, in fact, very Limerick City uh, on Mallow Street, Limerick City Centre. And this place called Canteen was actually a pop-up place a couple of years ago. Yeah, the idea was sort of as one of these pop-up businesses, um, but it popped up and stayed up and hasn't come down. I think that was about two years ago. It obviously means it's working. Yeah, which is great. Exactly. We've had Paul Williams, who is the owner, in on the show before, so... I mean, I've been in myself, I like mm-hmm. it, but tell us about your experience being there. Well, I suppose I want to look at this place this month because I think we've all eaten and drank enough to last us a lifetime. So it might be no harm to now have a look at something a little bit lighter, a little bit healthier. Uh, and this place really does specialise in that kind of food. They're into their local provenance, they're into their organic, you know, sort of um, locally reared food. And they're also into relatively healthy, it doesn't have to be low calorie, but healthily, healthy, healthy food indeed. And they also are quite good with the menu that it's not a very extensive menu the kind of keep focused yes I suppose over the the last two years Paul will probably tell you himself that he's kind of evolved the business um, picking and choosing what works and what doesn't I know in the early days I went to a few evening meals that he held there he held a great Japanese one um, but now he's really realised that I suppose his business is most popular for the office workers in town so he very much con- concentrates on the lunch menu breakfast and lunch really in fact he opens from 8am in the morning so he caters to a lot of people en route to, to, uh, to their workplaces because the coffee does have a very good reputation it does it does indeed I have friends from Dublin who don't even say hello to me don't even come to my house go straight to canteen for badger and dodo coffee and then come talk to me so it's that good and the other thing we should say about it it's quite small it's not a big place oh yes and it's What's, what's the word? It has charm. It's minimalist. Yeah, it's minimalist. Yeah. Yeah, these are all good words. <laughs> Uncomplicated. But if you are taking somebody on a first date or if you're looking for a business lunch, it's not really the place to go to. It's, as you say, for the office worker, friends that just want good quality food at a reasonable price. <laughs> 
Exactly. It's it's for the people who don't want to go out and, at lunchtime and have, you know, a huge steak sandwich and go home feeling like they're in a coma. It's for the people who want to have kind of a quick, easily fixed up um, lunchbox that kind of doesn't cost a fortune and isn't going to be very, very unhealthy. Um, but I mean, it does have its charm as well. You know, it, probably, as you say, less for kind of the corporate world, um, but more if you happen to have a day off or on a Saturday, if you can pop in and have a bit of lunch. You know, it's very rustic, you know, bare bulbs dangle from the ceiling the floor slants a little bit underfoot uh, and the windows don't have any blinds or anything like that um, but the warmth is added you know there, there are subtle touches such as painted wooden seats colourful cushions and um, they have these cute purple polka dot trays um, and they have planted herbs in the windows so it's it's warm but definitely rustic it has mm-hmm. great character absolutely yeah. yes mm-hmm. and the menu then tell us what you had whenever you were there well I was there actually in the early days when they had uh, when they were open on Sundays uh, which was lovely because it's always nice to get a Sunday brunch but Limerick and indeed most cities don't really do it um, I suppose to be fair it's hard to have staff and everything there on a Sunday if you're not going to have the business um, but they do the exact same thing on Saturdays uh, breakfast really is what we're all about my husband loves his breakfast so um, I don't really like breakfast not really for me tend to skip it with three cups of coffee and go straight for lunch uh, so I had the famous killer chili nachos um, the kind of clues in the name really they were 8 euro 50 uh, served with Sheepwalk Farm or organic chilli. So again, that's back to the local provenance of the food. Um, it was a very sort of robust, evocative blend of flavours and beef, um, mixed in with a red onion, tomato and kidney beans. Uh, of course, the side dishes then of guacamole, sour cream and jalapenos, um, really kind of perfected. It was a very colourful dish, very fresh, very flavoursome for the middle of the day. And a Mexican dish, and he often does Mexican-themed days or evenings doesn't he? He does indeed yeah which is great it's nice to be able to sort of try something different um, without I suppose the business running the risk of putting something full time on the menu and uh, that he's not sure or she's not sure is going to work but yes I suppose a lot of um, the food in canteen is based on colour and vegetables and freshness which of course Mexican cuisine really really works very well with. And you had your coffee to go with that? Oh, I did. In fact, two. I, and actually, I had a mocha, a badger and dodo mocha, badger and dodo mocha, uh, seeing as how it's the weekend, I splurged on the calories. That sounds lovely now, I have to say. I like mm. it. Well, I would call it a mocha, but I like <laughs> That's just the ordinary Irish Your mocha, my mocha, yeah. mocha. And what did Anthony have? Uh, no surprise there at all. He had the real Irish breakfast. Um, so that includes Crow's Farm sausage. Crow's Farm, of course, will be well known to a lot of people in the foodie world in Ireland. Uh, rashers, pudding, slow roasted tomato, thyme roasted mushrooms, which are beautiful. Uh, homemade baked beans, because he's from the school that believes that no fry is complete without baked beans. It is. It is. To me, the first time I ever had beans with the fry was in the north. And I kind of looked at him and went, Mummy, why? No, the north is not English. <laughs> no, it's not. Not at all. But that's where I first remember having them um, and, and I kind of looked at my mum and why is there beans with this so it was a bit new to me um, and there of course this had fried eggs and uh, freshly baked bread it was actually very good value it was 7 which for all that food I thought was, was very good Was that served in a plate? Now people are going to think that that's a really silly question but they do use a lot of compostable packaging to serve their food, they serve do. their dishes. They do. And and actually, um, I wasn't a huge fan of that. The the coffee, having the coffee in um, in a, a, takeaway a, cup. a takeaway cup for such good coffee, I kind of wanted a more reverential vessel. So um, that kind of wore a little bit thin on me. But no, this was served on a proper plate, which okay. was nice. It would have to be. It was huge. Yeah, I mm. just was wondering now. And proper cutlery or wooden... 
knives and forks. I think there were wooden knives and yeah. forks, yes. Well, I mean, these things all have their place. And they do. It's mm-hmm. all about recycling and less waste and, and whatnot. So. Absolutely. And it works well with the, with the kind of whole ethos, you know, that kind of um, simple, local, uncomplicated food, you know. And did Anthony have a coffee, did you say, to go with? He did, he up? did, absolutely. He also had a mocha or a mocha. Okay. <laughs> and any big slices of cake after that? I'd say they do nice baked goods in there. They do, they do. And what was interesting, actually, is they, they had um, a flourless dessert, which is what we had. I think it was a flourless um was it a chocolate cake at the time? Yeah, or brownie, I beg your pardon. Um, a flourless uh, chocolate brownie and it was 3.50 so it was, it was quite heavy without the flour uh, I don't know whether that contributed or, don't, or didn't I don't bake I can't bake um, so it was really nice to have with the coffee we kind of needed that but it was it was kind of interesting to taste something slightly different as well and was there a fine big chunk of it? a proper big chunk more than nice. enough to, to satisfy my husband yeah <laughs> and because it was Saturday then and obviously the office workers aren't in on a mm-hmm. Saturday was it still quite buzzy busy? oh absolutely turning away tables um, as you say it is quite small but there was a big demand they've quite a big twitter following um, so sort of the buzz the buzz gets out there and and people know where to go for a nice relaxed bite to eat on a saturday or because he has his twitter wall mm-hmm. i don't know if he still has it because he maybe doesn't have any room anymore for it because there were so many whenever i was in and i'm sure he's a lot more followers since but that was quite a cool idea it was it was really nice to bring sort of the virtual world into the real one you know um, and especially somewhere like limerick where everybody knows everybody anyway so it's nice to see a lot of lots of familiar faces up on the wall it was a lovely idea and just on that note then anybody that's on Twitter that isn't following them already should definitely follow them and uh, keep up to date with all the different events and evenings that mm-hmm. they have because they're well worth going into I think they've just changed their Twitter handle I think it's at We Are Canteen if I remember correctly now um, so yes absolutely and they're often on there with some really good local photography as well so it's, it's a good uh, feed to follow and if people want to get more information, you have your website? My website, yes. It's www.rmkeely.com. And the reviews are all up there for people to see with contact information, etc. They are indeed. <laughs> Rachel, thanks so much for coming in and sharing that. And you'll be back in February when it's the Chinese New Year. So we'll have great chats about Chinese food. My favourite, yes. <laughs> thanks, Sharon. Thanks again. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. Thanks to Rachel for her mouth-watering review and you can find details of that review and lots of others of Rachel's reviews on her blog rmkeely.com. If you've the perfect restaurant that you'd like Rachel to visit and review for the show, please drop me an email to s.noonan at live.ie and I'd be delighted to pass the details on to Rachel. Still to come tonight, if you are a food producer and you've set a goal for 2015 to start exporting, my interview with Connor from the Dingle Food Festival will definitely be of interest to you. Rebecca Cronin will be giving us the heads up on what's happening at this year's Ballymaloo Lit Fest and the tickets go on sale tomorrow so you don't want to delay if there's any events there that are of interest to you. Next though, it's over to the phone to have a nice chat with Gareth Mullins who is the executive chef at the Marker Hotel in Dublin. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Gareth Mullins, executive chef from the Marker Hotel in Dublin, joins me on the line now. Good evening, Gareth. How are you? I'm great. It's a new year, so everybody's all gung-ho, looking for healthy options, healthy choices. And some people might be reluctant to go out for something to eat, but the Marker Hotel has everything in hand. 
Well, yeah, we sure do. And I suppose it's on the back of last year and we created something which I thought was just going to be for January and February to kind of to beat the Christmas blues. And I think everybody feels that they've indulged a little bit too much. So we created a thing called the Nutribox. Um, and I, I really only thought I'd have it on the menu last year for, for uh, a month, as I said, and I haven't been able to take it off because so many people now are really conscious about what they're eating and and um, that menu was served in in the bar, the marker bar in the hotel. So, um, we're just going to kind of, I suppose, add to that a little bit this year, and maybe do a little bit more with it, um, just on the back of the success of it last year. So, what sort of things can people expect to find in the nutri box? Well, the nutri box is something that we created um, because of people um, dieting, and I suppose not just not just dieting. I suppose people that are conscious about they might be training or whatever they're doing so we come up with um, a clear consomme um, which changes every week so it's broken into four sections there's a clear consomme there's a salad generally which is a raw salad so we try and use raw ingredients and that there's 100 grams of protein so be it 100 grams of chicken or turkey or salmon or whatever we decide to use generally steamed Um, and then there's a raw juice um, and the raw juice will have whatever the season is so at the moment we're putting things like kale celery, spinach, a little bit of ginger, some lime juice, um, and they're all just put through a, through a juicer. And then as a little bit of a treat, um, I do a, a chocolate truffle with 70 grams of chocolate, 70% chocolate. Um, that's to try and take the craving away from wanting to eat dessert, um, which is obviously low in sugar, but very high-quality chocolate. Is that based on certain principles? Is it based on the paleo or something yeah, similar? Yeah, I suppose that, that's... I'm glad you said that. That was what... Initially, when I done that last January, um, that was just something that we we just done because there was a lot of people here that work in the hotel and a lot of corporates were were constantly asking about does your soup have cream in it? Do you have clear soups? Um, and I always actually to to go over to the restaurant, I always have a clear soup on in the restaurant to consomme of some description. Um, and the reason for that is we'd have quite a lot of corporate guests guests that stay in the hotel, and. If you're the type of person that's sleeping in a hotel maybe two or three nights a week, as much as I like to serve rich food with a lot of cream and butter, I also need to be conscious that some of my corporate diners um, don't want to be eating like that every night of the week. So that's something that's on the menu. And then with the, with the bar menus, when I seen the success of the Nutribox, I looked at some of the other stuff that I was doing in there. And does it paleo is a little bit of a buzzword that's going around at the moment. Um, and I had a look into it and paleo is basically the principle of paleo is that you try and not eat anything that's processed um, so I think the ethos behind it is if it's either pulled from the ground picked from a tree or killed it's okay but if it's milled or refined in any way then you should try and stay away from it so we came up with a paleo salad um, probably in and around September I think I put that onto the menu um, and again I just put it on didn't think there'd be much of an uptake on it and people go crazy for it you know so and um, the one that's on there at the moment has some steamed chicken. Uh, there's no oil at all, and I make a dressing with blended up cashews, a little bit of coconut cream, um, uh, lime juice, pick dill, and then there's uh, watercress, orange, and cashews in the salad, and it's all tossed together and, dre- and dressed with this dressing that I just said. Do you put the calories on it? Is there a demand for that, or is that something there, that there you don't? Seem to be, and I think like the, the calorie thing was was going on a couple of years ago, um, which the hotel I was working in at the time we we done an awful lot of work on that. But the thing with calories, I mean, that the fluctuation on menus is sometimes that 
unless you work in an environment where it's very structured and exactly the same now I'm not saying that dishes aren't exactly the same all the time but my menus are very fluid they change from day to day there's a lot of specials I print all of my menus in house because the seasons change and sometimes when the seasons change obviously my menus have to change with them um, and it takes an awful lot of time and effort to to get all the, to get a dish uh, first of all you have to get a nutrition on board and nutrition nutritionist on board and They'll, they'll help you get the calories of each dish and then sure by the time all that gets done we generally change the dishes again so um, I don't think there's as, as much of a demand for that I think people just want to eat clean and they want to eat healthy and I suppose the, the, main, the main thing that people want is to eat fresh ingredients you know when it comes to your menus, you seem to be very good at keeping an eye on what the public want and what the demands are out there. And another thing that you'd introduced was Le Drunch. Tell us what that is. Well, Le Drunch was, a, was an, an idea that stemmed from... We opened the hotel back in uh, April, not April, gone April before that. So we're, I suppose we're nearly, we're nearly two years trading now. Um, and we, we opened with a real bang. We were very, very busy. The restaurant was very busy. The bar was nice and busy. The rooftop had an awful lot of noise around that and was very busy. Um, but for some reason, on a Sunday, the restaurant got quiet. And I couldn't understand it because all through the rest of the week, we were very busy during the week with corporate lunches. And then, obviously, we were right beside the bar, Gosh Theatre, down here in Grand Canal. Um, and But for some reasons, on a Sunday, it just, it just died off. We weren't doing the covers on a Sunday. Um, so we looked at that and I just think people the conclusion I came to certainly in any way was I just think people have a different approach to eating on a Sunday um, I think it's a, a lot of people it's about family and really relaxing and maybe you know maybe not having a, a, a corporate style start a main course dessert or a, a structured style start a main course dessert so we've done a little bit of research and I found out about this La Drunch concept um, which is basically a brunch concept which is kind of hot in Dublin at the moment. Um, there's a lot of places doing a very good brunch around town, so I wanted to do something a little bit different. So we looked. <coughs> there's a, a Helen the Rose, her name is a chef over, and she runs the Connacht in London, um, and she also runs a hotel in Paris. She had come up with this concept for a mustard company, and it was for Parisians that eat. They were looking for a dining concept for late afternoons where people could just eat comfort food, but also fresh food in the afternoon. So. I kind of like the idea, and nobody was doing it here. Um, we have a DJ that plays in the restaurant from 2 to 5, and I, ser- I serve kind of, a, my food is a little bit more laid back on those days. So um, the, the menu was broken into six sections. I'd quench, which is obviously the drinks, and there's things like fresh, freshly pressed beetroot and carrot and ginger juice. There's a cocktail in there, the Blood or- Bloody Mary, which is very popular, as you can imagine. Then there's a fresh section and the salads, uh, nice clear soups prawns and things then we've comfort the obvious things there's a breakfast in there there's a, a pulled pork sandwich I've venison sausage on in there at the moment and then you have a couple of different side orders some share dishes which are very popular where most people I find come in and they might have a couple of share dishes while they're looking over the menu and then that finishes with desserts so perfect hair of the dog fair there well, exactly exactly and I think you know the Bloody Mary it's either a Bloody Mary or Bellini. That's what most people come in. We do a, a pretty good peach or a strawberry Bellini. So, um, but then there's also people just want to come in and read them. Maybe have an ex Benedict and read the paper, and um, which is good. And I kind of, I, I just think we got it. Well, I like to think we got it really right. Um, and it's, it amazes me that we went from the restaurant being very quiet um, 
to literally like on Sunday gone there uh, or for New Year's Day we 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 done over 100 covers you know um, which is brilliant you know so Fantastic and you're very family focused as well because you look after the children well and I know we that well, from personal experience I have a four, yeah, a four year old and a seven year old um, and it can be challenging sometimes I find as a parent going out to eat um, because it's the same things everywhere you go and um, like a huge part of what I do on here is, is obviously about seasonality and sourcing locally and you know using the, the local artisanals and I just feel that it needs to be the same way for the kids so um, we came up with an idea where I seen these painters palette plates so it basically looks like a painters palette and on there we've every dish that comes out all our main courses are served with a, on a painters palette with vegetable crudités and some healthy hummus so whether the kids order that or not they get it and I just find that you know, when kids kids being the way they are, they'll come out and they'll pick up the carrots and the cucumbers and dip them in. And um, we also have ketchup on there. And then, you know, I do have chicken goujons on the menu because I think a lot of kids do see that as a treat when they go out. But I also have a surf and turf on there for kids. I've got a steamed salmon dish. Um, I've got some pasta on there with bolognese or fresh tomato sauce. Um, so there's loads of different variety on there. A lot of just fish and chips on there. And then obviously there's desserts where it wouldn't be bringing their kids out if you weren't able to give them a dessert. So. Oh yes, the promise of ice cream of course. Well, and sometimes it's what gets you through gets you through Absolutely. that meal period to let them know that there is a little treat on the end. But again, all our ice creams, everything is made in house, everything is made fresh. Um, and I think that's important that if you're not where ingredients are from and you can get the kids to buy into it with a little bit of fun. Um, I think it helps. Now, did I read somewhere that you actually were responsible for introducing cronuts to Dublin? You did read that somewhere. <laughs> so that was a, that was a little bit of a, a publicity stunt. I, I, I'll be honest, um, which I th- I didn't think was going to take off the way it did. But um, there was nobody doing it here at, at the time, um, so we started to do it. And it's it's a fairly technical thing to do. You have to make a a fresh cross on pastry and then it's cut into the shape of a donut um, and then it's deep fried and we fill ours with, at the moment, or for the ones for Christmas we filled with a mince meat creme patisserie and then we put a, a, a gingerbread crumble on the top of them. So as you can imagine, extremely healthy, a total contradiction to all the other things. Of course, <laughs> but they sound delicious <laughs> nonetheless. Yeah, they, are, they are delicious and, you know, when we first started doing them, um, I thought we'd only we'd run it for a couple of months again, but we still make a certain amount every day we put them on the breakfast buffet in the restaurant and we make uh, we make about 60 or 70 every day and we put them into little boxes and sell them in the in the market bar every morning and our locals come in and grab them as a treat super you know, people's birthdays and yeah it's nice it's, it's a bit of fun you know so 2015 now is going to pose lots of new challenges for you no doubt have you any tricks up your sleeve that you're prepared yeah. to, to share with us now yeah well I was I never thought I'd say this about the way my food is going to go, but I'm really kind of, I'm kind of enjoying exploring all the healthy options and kind of challenging myself a little bit differently with, with not always going to cream and butter as a way of 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 finishing sauces and thickening things up and um, and I kind of I think people's people's eating habits are changing a little bit, you know, um, so I'm definitely going to continue with that. Like, I'm, I'm as I said, I made a lot of big changes with the bar menu. Um, I used to have a Caesar salad on there, and we sold tons of them. I took them off. I, I replaced it with the paleo salad, and nobody, nobody said anything, you know, which I find kind of fascinating because sometimes as a chef you think, oh, that sells so well, I can't change that. Um, but 
you know, I think it's it's proven now that people are definitely conscious about what they're putting into their body. And I think the challenge for for anybody, and I think the way it's it's about um, just eating in moderation. Don't eat too much of anything that's not good for you or bad for you. You know, I think it's about a balanced diet. And that's certainly what I'm trying to do with, with my menus here in the hotel. Because well, I also like things like foie gras, you know, double cream and all the other wonderful things and butter, which is one of the best things that we produce in this country. So, Well, if any of the listeners want to catch up with what you're up to, you regularly appear on TV. Yeah, on TV3. And then also, look, most of the recipes are on... If you go on to our, our website, um, there's a link... Uh, there's a link on the website that says recipes and like things like the paleo salad is on there, the bite box is on there because I would have cooked them on, on the TV at one stage. And then there's also, I mean, it's not all health food. Don't get me wrong. That's not what, that's not just what the marker is about. There's all types of recipes on there. So if people are interested with the type of food that I cook, um, yeah, if you, if you go onto the marker's website, um, there's lots of photographs and images of the food that we cook there. And, you know, it's a, uh, We'd love to, if you don't want to feel like cooking it yourself, come on in and we'll cook it for you, no problem. Super, and the website address is themarkerhoteldublin.com and all the best for 2015, Gareth, and thanks so much Brilliant. for talking to me tonight. My pleasure, thanks a million. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. I'm here now with Katie Loy from Belfast, who is eight years of age. Katie, tell everybody where you are. I am in the marker in the Dublin in Dublin. It's a hotel. A hotel. And what were your first impressions whenever you came through the door? Well, the fashion is very stylish. It's very busy, which means it must be really good. Um, the customer service, I think, is really, really good. Why do you think it's really good? Because in most places, you don't get asked where if you want ice or not. You just get get ice. And um, they asked me if I would like some ice or not, and I said no. And what drink did you order? I ordered a Diet Coke. And my sister ordered a strawberry cooler. Oh, wow. It's a cocktail, is it? Yes. And can you describe it to the listeners? It is strawberries with in a tall glass with a straw mixed with ice. So it looks very refreshing. Yes. Did you have a taste of it? Yes. And what does it taste like? It tastes um, a bit of strawberry with a bit of mint added to it. And how many marks out of ten would you give the Marker Hotel? Um, nine. Thank you very much. That's Katie Loy, who's eight years of age from Belfast. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to tonight's programme. If you have just joined us, we heard earlier from restaurant reviewer Rachel Keeley. And uh, if you are in the market for heading out to a restaurant this weekend, you should check out her blog, rmkeeley.com, where all the reviews are there for you to read at your leisure. Never fear if you miss some of the show because it will be up on the Best Possible Taste podcast later in the week, along with all the previous 2014 shows. You'll find the podcast on SoundCloud dot com forward slash 
food-and-drink-show. Just before the break, I was chatting to the Marker Hotel's Gareth Mullins, who's lots of interesting menu options. And if your New Year resolution is to eat more healthily, Gareth will definitely have what you want there on his menu in the Marker Hotel. Next up, it's an interview I did at the Dingle Food Festival back in October. A fellow judge there was Connor Ryan, who is commercial director of Pan Euro Foods. Connor has spent 25 years working in the Irish food industry and he has a great passion for spotting new product opportunities, hence him being at Dingle, the perfect place to find the latest new thing in the culinary world. And he heads up the company's Middle East division. He's based in Dubai, where he has a portfolio in excess of 30 household Irish brands that he's selling into the Middle East. So let's have a listen to what he told me whenever I met him. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. Connor, you're with Pan Euro Foods, mm-hmm. which is it a distributor for. Uh, no, all we're importers and we supply distributors both in Ireland and also in the Middle East. And we supply the major retailers also, both here in Ireland and the Middle East also as well. So, do you go out and source different products from different places yes. and then you basically have a catalogue? We have two different businesses, to be honest. We have the business here in Ireland where we import from all over the world. We supply the food service distributors and the retailers of products from China, from Thailand, from America, from all over Europe. Various different countries, as far as Africa, even South Africa, uh, supplying like so, um, Musgraves, Dunn Stores, Shortly Tesco. All of these, and then your major food services like Linus Foods, Palace Foods, all of these guys also as well, who will then sell out to hotels and restaurants. So That's the Irish business, and then in the Middle East I uh, import all Irish produce into the Middle East, and just Irish produce that the Middle East, and Canadian. So you must be a very useful person for somebody that is making a very unique product in Ireland, you know, because you must take out all the mystery that's involved for somebody trying to export to well, those they, countries. With me, see, they don't export. All I have to do is sell to me in my, my warehouse in Dublin, and I do the rest from there. And the rest would involve relabeling, relabeling, inkjetting. Um, I need a certain amount of paperwork from them, but I do the book. I supply help with translations. I think that that is required also as well. What do you feel is the biggest challenge facing producers today in exporting their products? Uh, cost of product is quite um, difficult from Ireland compared to some similar products from other across the world. Uh, so obviously overheads here um, are quite high compared to other countries and it's something they need to look at more and more. So a product here can be a very good quality product but it, it, it costs a lot and then once you put on the different costs yes. to actually get it to the the target market it's can the make cost it. Of, uh, even coming out of the product factory, we like to be, for example, about 25, 30% more expensive for, from Ireland than from Australia for exact same quality meat. So, I mean, if you're in the Middle East and you're a retailer there and they say and I'm saying, okay, my beef is Irish, it's this, that, they look at Australian beef and they say, what taste is it? So you can't argue with that, you just can't. And a lot of people might think that it's very difficult to actually export food that needs refrigerated. No, I air freight. I'm doing air freight four or five days a week. Yogurt, milk, uh, cheese, seafood, eggs. Uh, people are surprised with the eggs. Free range eggs. You can't obviously produce free range eggs in the Middle East with the heat. So we do a lot of free range organic eggs as well. Um, but no, it's quite simple doing the, the, the chilled products. Very easy. We do it overnight. So basically, it leaves my warehouse at, say, nine o'clock in the morning goes to the airport, it's on the plane at one o'clock, 
it's in the buy the following morning at half twelve in the morning. It's in the warehouse, their warehouse by eight o'clock and on the shelf at four the next day. Do you feel that Irish products are very well received in these countries? Becoming well received because before I started this there was no Irish product on the shelves in the Middle East at all of any kind. Uh, now we're starting to make success. Glenys Yoga, for example, has been a huge success for us. Kyo's potatoes, um, golden Irish eggs, oh my god, Glenillin yogurt, Avamore uh, lactose free milk, butter milk. So the brands are becoming there, and people are getting to see the brands and realise like, what's there. They're looking for it now more and more. The buyers also, the supermarkets, um, I tend to bring them over here. And I recently had a, a contingency from um, Spinney's in, in, in the UAE, and they were amazed what they saw here. They were actually came back out and said they were surprised with the standard and quality of food just we have here. So it's just trying to get that message across more and more. And you feel that it is, it's an easy sell for you because you love the Irish products yourself? Well, yeah, I know what I'm doing. Like, I mean, that's what I'm doing. So, but just to get that story across as well and to show these guys what we have, uh, which we're getting to. Borbia and Invest and I, these guys are very helpful as well. They give me a lot of support for doing this. How long have you been exporting to these countries? Four years. And what motivated you to start doing that? Uh, it was strange. I was on a trip down to South Africa just on, uh, for my Irish business to meet a couple of suppliers. And I stopped off in Dubai, my best friend lives there. And I was there for four or five days. I started looking around the supermarkets, that's what I do. And um, I was quite taken aback that the opportunity I felt was there with the different gaps that's on the market. So that just started me then. And then I got an introduction to one of the supermarkets. And when I explained my story that I've got warehousing and all that, and he just said, right, look, but I want Irish food. So he said, because he had seen some companies he wanted before, could never get them, because he had no logistics to get it there. Because what I do is I said, we said already, said with the warehouse product, I inkjet production expiry date, which is required, Arabic labeling, um, and then we consolidate all the products into different containers or pallets or whatever it is for air fresh, um, and ship it out to these guys. They want one person in the country to do all that for them. They can't handle 30, 40 different suppliers, it doesn't work for them. It's just too much of a logistical nightmare. And what products are you bringing into Ireland then that the listeners would be familiar with? Be familiar with bringing into Ireland, they wouldn't. Uh, the bread and chicken, say in Musgraves, all the centres, central and super hot food counters, we bring in all of that from Musgraves. Uh, all of the brands, you wouldn't see much of our brands, we do a lot of private label production really rather than brands on retail. Food service is different, we do olive oils, some lush tomatoes, a lot of cheese from Italy, uh, jams from Italy. Oh my god, what else do we do? So so extensive. How many products would there be now? If you were to produce a catalogue, how many products would be in it? Scary. Six, seven hundred. a lot of products. <laughs> and what's the next step for the, the company in terms of expansion and vision? We're we talking with going? the retailers in Saudi at the moment. Like, like Panda. Like Panda has 194 hypermarkets. So the scale is humongous. I've met them a couple of times, so it takes time to get to these guys. So we're going to Saudi this year, we, sorry, this coming in 2015. We hope to have that develop quite well. After that, I want to start moving into the Far East, like uh, Singapore, Hong Kong, Thailand. Dairy in particular, I think it's a big opportunity for dairy going forward. More in brand, I'm not a commodity guy, I sell more branded products such as Lenny's yogurt, milks, creams, that kind of thing. I'm not into milk bottles that, that is. If you had to give three tips to somebody that's looking to export their product, what would they be? <laughs> three tips. Uh, quality of product has to be good, packaging has to be very good, uh, and price. So it's basically quality, packaging, price. It's the same as any market, to be honest, in that sense. 
sounds like good advice. Connor, thanks very much for talking to me. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break you heard my interview with Connor Ryan of Pan Euro Foods who had great advice if you're considering exporting your product. Connor made me smile whenever I met him that time because of some of the comments he made but in particular his comment it's what I do took me back in time to when I was a child and on the annual family holiday because my parents had fruit shops they loved to visit fruit shops whenever we were in different parts of the world and also supermarkets so when we were on holiday we often had to take time out from the swimming pool and the beach to go and do such things but to be fair my parents got great ideas when they were there and and they would have implemented those in the fruit shop that they had at home. Uh, one such example, because Christmas has just passed, would have been the fruit baskets. Instead of putting the cling film over the top of them, they came home with the great idea of putting the cellophane and pulling it up the top and putting the bow around it. But I digress. As I said, I met Connor at one of the major annual food festivals, namely the Dingle Food Festival, which is on every year in October. And another major food festival is the Ballymaloo Lit Fest, and it takes place in May. I caught up with Rebecca Cronin, who was delighted to share lots of details about this year's programme. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Rebecca Cronin from Ballymaloo Litfest, thanks for joining me this evening. Thanks very much, Sharon, and Happy New Year to you. A very exciting time for you, and no doubt you're very, very busy because tickets go on sale tomorrow. That's right, tomorrow at three o'clock, so we'll be up the walls and... It's going to be really exciting, but no doubt we're we're all going to be quite busy here in the office tomorrow morning, getting ready for our three o'clock deadline. Is there a theme for the programme this year? There isn't. We discussed it um, at, at length, actually, back in August, and then we decided... Um, we we decided not to go with a the theme this year, and hopefully in the future we will. But it's just we want to at the moment while the festival is developing to to make sure that we cover all angles and not have to pinhole ourselves in any way. Because I have to confess that I felt back in December when you were drip feeding us with the few names of different people that were coming along to be speakers. I felt it was a very boozy theme this year. Oh, really? I think maybe our our, um, drinks coordinator, Colin McCann, may be just very anxious and also very excited to get his guests and the names of his guests out there. But don't worry, there's plenty more names to come. There's quite a few outside of the the drinks theatre programme that I haven't or um, hadn't quite released at that stage. So who is the highlight for this year or who are the highlights for this year? Well, um, we, I mean, goes without saying, we're absolutely over the moon to be welcoming Alice, Alice Waters to, to Ireland in May. And uh, we're, we're delighted also to, to have confirmed April Bloomfield of the Spotted Pig, as well as the Breslin in New York. She's, she's an absolute, well, coined the phrase, absolute sweetheart of American cooking at the moment. Um, and then I suppose... Um, there's, I mean, as you said, many drinks participants um, had been announced over in December and Jancis Robinson and Alice Fearing, who's based in New York, would be a leading, a leading voice in natural wine. We're thrilled that they're coming too. 
Um, I'm I'm really excited to say Christian Puglisi of Relay and Manfred's in Denmark. He's confirmed and will be attending um, to do a cookery demonstration as well as a talk next May too. Um, I'm also thrilled and delighted that Jack Monroe, who's just recently won the Observer Food Monthly Blogging Award, she's she's coming in May and oh, she's an extraordinary girl. She's a young lady who has been, I don't know whether you know much about Jack Monroe, but she's she's kind of just recently in the last uh, couple of years kind of come onto the scene and has um, made her name in campaigning against poverty and feeding your family for, well, as many people are struggling and on on the dole and trying to survive off a very minimal amount of money each week. And she's made her name by beginning a blog about feeding herself and her young son off £10 a week and how she can do it and be really creative and really uh, clever with her recycling and reusing of of ingredients day in and day out to make delicious meals each day. So there are just a couple of names that I'm excited about. And also Tim Wendelbow, who is pretty much one of the, if not the top barista and roasters, coffee roasters in the world. He's confirmed too. And... Oh, I don't know. The list goes on. Roger Phillips, who is a, a veteran of foraging, he would have been back in the day one of the first what we call now foragers. But in fact, he just went out and collected and foraged for beautiful food in in the grounds and around him, and seasonally found everything that he he knew was edible and discovered was edible, and then recorded it and started writing it in documentation, and, and then published the original foraging cookbooks, I suppose. So it's a mixture of demonstrations, of talks. Is there actual foraging walks as well? There will be, indeed, with Roger Phillips himself, which is fantastic. Um, we did the, the likes of um, René from Noma last year did a foraging workshop with Alice Fowler, which was fantastic. And we're so thrilled that Roger Phillips will be here this year, who, as I said, is the originator behind it all, really. And what about dinners? Because you had a couple of very nice dinners last year. We did indeed. And this May, we're absolutely thrilled that Ox from Belfast will be doing a pop-up um, dinner in the cookery school again this this year, the cookery school. Um, like last year, we did uh, Yotamata Lengi. But this year, we have Ox. And if, if you haven't been, Ox in Belfast is absolutely without doubt my favorite meal of the year if not uh, one of my favorite meals ever in Ireland yeah I've I have been lucky enough to be and it was absolutely incredible and when I was there I interviewed Stevie Toman and he actually told me that he had gone to Litfest last year he had himself and Alan went down and up in one day they did the complete natters that they did that but uh Oh, we're delighted. I didn't actually meet them at the Literary Festival last year, but um, oh my goodness, I went up there, met Alan. Stevie was, of course, quite busy cooking dinner because it was a Saturday evening, but I met him at the very end and delighted the two of them. Brilliant, absolutely inspirational, and their their restaurant is just mind-blowing. It definitely is. I'd agree with you on that. Yeah. So that's the, the key dinner of the weekend. It is, and we have two fabulous lunches as well. One is with uh, Mark Hicks of Hicks Restaurants. Mark Hicks is another participant for next year who I didn't mention earlier. He's a fabulous man, and I'm looking forward to meeting him in, in person, being bantering back and forth through emails. But he'll be doing a lunch on the Sunday. And then on Saturday, thrilled to say the... Um, 
Sarat and Itamar from Honey and Co, which is a fabulous restaurant in London. They are doing um, the lunch on Saturday, and recently uh, a couple of the cook, the student, or sorry, the chefs at Ballymaloo, and um, some staff from Ballymaloo went and did what they do every once in a while. They go to London and they check out all the different restaurants in the area. They went to Honey and Co, and they couldn't stop raving about how incredible it was. So the next day sent an email to Annie and Co and I said we'd love to have you it'd be fabulous I've heard nothing but raving raving from all the chefs and staff from Ballymaloo who just recently visited you so that's but those those three events are very special and we're really quite honoured to have the three of them when I spoke to Rachel Allen just before Christmas and I was trying to squeeze information out of her and she was giving nothing away, what she did say was when you have access to a little black book that belongs to Myrtle Allen and Darina Allen, really the list of people is just incredible. Oh, it's extraordinary. I mean, it's just extraordinary. I can't remember who it was, but someone said, Oh, uh, I, I can't remember who it was, but someone initially in the first year of the Literary Festival, when I wrote to them to invite them on behalf of, of the Allens, they wrote back and they said, you just don't say no to Darina. <laughs> like, that's amazing. She has this power, but it's a beautiful thing because they're, so, they're just so respected and so respectful of it. And they know what we're trying to do here. And it's just such a fantastic event to be able to connect all these extraordinary people to to the Irish to people to be quite honest and will there be a fringe festival and the big shed this there year will again indeed. So that's the heart and soul and that's what keeps the whole thing going I think with everybody whether you're as I said before two or 92 you can come to the festival and, and hang out because there's something in there for everybody so yeah the food stalls will be up and up and going again I haven't quite confirmed off on any lists of people just yet but you know we'll have uh, We'll have our favourites there and and I'm sure the customers' favourites because that's what what makes us uh, book them back again. And then we'll have the Children's Corner, which will do gardening workshops and talks and painting and crafting and everything in the... uh, Lots of fun activities for the children. And probably I'll set together, maybe later in the year, uh, a fringe programme, which will be all those little demonstrations and and chats and talks on on the stage. Again, that's a free program itself and the bar. And then in the evening, we'll have live music again, both on Saturday and uh, Friday and Saturday night. Such a jam-packed weekend. It's it's just going, it's as much as we can get into the weekend, we are. We're using every nook and cranny and venue possible to get as many events happening, as many speakers. And, oh, there's probably going to be another pop-up venue now next year as well, which we haven't quite quite organised just yet so I'm not going to let release any details on that. Well I remember last year now that some people were very disappointed that they didn't get tickets for specific events so the message is they're on sale tomorrow from 3 o'clock and do not delay if there's something there that you want to go to book it straight away Absolutely because there are some venues that are smaller than others and we just can't we you know we want to make sure that everybody gets the most amazing experience so we're not going to pack it to the girls we're going to put it uh, enough you know as many people as as is comfortable so if there is something I would advise people to book it straight away and uh, 
And actually on that, I would, I would, I, we have a phone line here, which I'll give you the number to, but best, I think, if everybody wants to drive through to the website, which is www.litfest.ie, because as you can imagine, tomorrow it's going to be quite busy and the phone lines may be full and people won't be able to get through. So I don't want anybody disappointed because they didn't get through on time. Absolutely. Well, it's been great chatting to you. I'm delighted to hear that... Um, Northern Ireland is going to be represented. At I know we're going to call that event, and we have named it Ox South, which is so. Oh, great. fab! Yeah. Very cool, yeah. very cool, and yeah. I look forward to that. And we will talk again, no doubt, nearer the time, Rebecca. But in the meantime, happy planning and good luck tomorrow. Thanks a million, Sharon, and, and thanks very much for having me on your show. Cheers, Chin Chin. Salut, Schleiter. That was Rebecca Cronin of Ballymaloo Litfest with lots of details about what is on this May. And as she said, the tickets go on sale tomorrow at three o'clock. So be sure to check out the website and know what you want to attend so you don't miss out. Another website to visit to start planning your food weekends for 2015 is discoverireland.ie forward slash food. There's details on that website about what markets and festivals are on every week. Helen McDade of Fulcher Ireland will resume her regular spot in the springtime and she'll come on then and share details of events taking place each month and I look forward to welcoming her back then. You should also check out justcooking.ie for details of all of Mark Doe's demos and courses in County Kerry. For example, this Thursday night he has a course demo that features preparing healthy meals that are low in GI, quick and tasty and can help manage weight. It costs €35 and it's on from 7pm until 9.30pm. And then on Friday night the theme is game and Mark is going to show you how to prepare, cook, freeze and of course eat this delicious meat with all the accompanying meats and that's justcooking.ie for all the details there. If you're up the country, milagallery.ie has details of demos and courses on in City West. Or if you're in Limerick City, you should check out hookandladder.ie for some of the, the cookery demos that they do. Please do keep sending me details of your cookery demos, food courses, product launches and fundraisers to s.noonan at live.ie and I'll be only too delighted to give them a shout out here on the diary on Best Possible Taste. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. So we're out of time now for the first show of 2015. Thanks so much for your company and to all of tonight's guests, Rachel Keeley, Gareth Mullins, Connor Ryan and Rebecca Cronin. Remember the podcast, soundcloud.com forward slash food and drink show if you missed any of the show tonight or maybe an older one. Next week, Sinead Neeland of the Organic College should be here along with others. So until then, bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit!